It's lights out and away we go. Welcome to the pit straight. I'm Jack Swansea for Front Stretch and joining me is a man who, even though he studied abroad in China, still pronounces it Barcelona. Front Stretch IndyCar editor Alex Gintz. Alex, did you enjoy the Spanish Grand Prix? You know, I don't think I ever told you that I actually do pronounce it that way. How did you know that? <laughs> Just call it intuition. I say Valencia too. <laughs> yeah, no. Fernando Alonso um, would be proud. Uh, yes, exactly, and that's why I wake up every morning. Um, I I enjoyed the Spanish Grand Prix about as much as I used to enjoy F1 races during the Sebastian Vettel dominance era. I'm glad I got up to watch it. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who wanted to get into F1 and stick with F1. I think that's a good, uh, pretty good analysis there because... I kind of thought it was a little dull at first when I was watching it, but then when I was going back and, and writing up the race recap available on the web at frontstretch.com and why not follow Frontstretch on social media and check out our YouTube channel while you're at it. Um, as I was writing the recap, I realized there was not an unreasonable, like there was a not unreasonable amount of action that happened mostly in the midfield, but I'm talking about like Alonzo's move on Ocon and this like entire race long fight between Joe Guan Yu and Yuki Sonoda. And I mean, there was overtaking. There was a lot more overtaking than last week. And there was a lot more overtaking than last year at the Spanish Grand Prix, um, which is because F1 reverted to the pre 2007 layout in the final sector. Uh, which is skipping the chicane and having those two high-speed corners that lead onto the main straight. Um, and so that leads us into our topic for today. First, listeners, I would encourage you to give Alex a follow on the Twitter at AlexGinswan and myself at Jack Swansea. But Alex, so the only place in the track where pretty much any action happened today was into turn one at the end of the long DRS straight. So good that there was some overtaking, but not so good on being an unpredictable and exciting race um, and that's kind of become a bit of a trend in f1 as of late so alex my question to you for this week is is drs too powerful and does it ruin the show throughout my life i've ever since i was 12 i've gone through periods of liking and not liking drs and when I was younger, I loved it because it produced more overtaking. The older I've gotten, the more I've followed the sport, and especially since the current set of regulations came into effect last year, where the ability for cars to follow and battle was a major development objective for um, the sport as a whole. I almost, I almost venture to say the DRS has sort of worn out its value for the fact that, yes, it creates overtaking. Um, it creates closer racing, although in a in a manner that I would say is kind of sparse and not as meaningful. Um, I have reservations about scrapping it entirely that I'm sure we'll get into as we go through the conversation. But right now, in the at the end of the first third of the 2023 season, I would say it kind of ruins the show. Okay, so I, I think we saw definitely we see a lot of we saw a lot of DRS assisted moves happen in, in the race this in the race uh, on Sunday, um, but I think the 
sort of the best examples come from earlier this season of DRS sort of taking the wind out of the sails. Uh, maybe there's a like, little, that's a tenuous aerodynamic metaphor there, but let's make it work. Um, so in Azerbaijan, both the sprint race and the Grand Prix, there was kind of no question about what would happen to Leclerc because look, Charles Leclerc and Ferrari started on pole for both events. Uh, but by the seventh lap of the sprint, uh, Sergio Perez just DRS assisted, moved down the main straight. It was clear before they got to turn one, took the lead, won the sprint. Um, and then on the fourth lap of the Grand Prix, Verstappen did the same thing on Leclerc. And then, of course, with the safety car and other stuff, Perez won the race. But, I mean, did we think, how how long did you think that Leclerc could hold off Verstappen in that situation? And we saw a similar thing the race before that in Australia when uh, the Mercedes drivers were able to leapfrog Verstappen with some sort of safety car assisted strategy. But Verstappen just sort of blew right past them because he had DRS in the faster car. Um, and another thing uh, is you can't just say, oh, well, it's just because the the one car, the Red Bull, is just way faster than everybody else. Because last year, we started the season with two sort of DRS battles. If you think back to Bahrain and Saudi Arabia of last year, between Leclerc and Verstappen, they were, I mean, trading lead back and forth every lap which is cool. But then it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth when the way that Verstappen was able to win in Saudi Arabia was by sort of gaming the DRS system and waiting to make his move where he knew that the DRS were, were uh, uh, sort of making the move a turn a corner late because he didn't want Leclerc to have the DRS. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Man, this one really splits me down the middle. <laughs> I, I don't ha I don't feel like I have my normal opinionated snark today. Um, there, there's something to be said for the 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 brain games that DRS gives rise to in situations like that. And um, anybody who is involved in F1 Instagram at any level has seen that footage of um, Hamilton smashing the brakes in Canada 2013, and Alonso immediately smashing them as well, so he wouldn't beat Hamilton to the DRS line. And, you know, they were trying to set up this battle down the backstretch a corner and a half a straightaway ahead of time. There's something to be said for that. Um, but nobody that I know goes on to an F1. Nobody that I know tunes in to watch F1 with anticipation of the driver's poking around to see who slow, who slows down the most before the final turner the final corner in Jetta you know i mean that's racing i suppose but it doesn't seem like racing racing yeah i mean you think about 2021 in Jetta yeah. perhaps even a worse example when hamilton and verstappen kept brake checking each other it was mm -hmm. i mean it was embarrassing for the sport at that situation mm -hmm. but at the same time those brain games are you're you're right they're entertaining they're compelling the problem is that when you designed the cars, what DRS was, as I always sort of thought of it this way, is that it was a band-aid because the cars couldn't follow in dirty air. So you were kind of just giving them cleaner air on the straights to make up for that the following car couldn't follow that closely. The idea is that they would make up the distance on the straights that they'd lost in the turn. And 
I mean, maybe it's as simple as DRS just needs a realignment with the new generation of cars that can follow more closely. Um, I don't know if that's just like maybe making the opening in the rear wing narrower or making the zone you can use it shorter. Probably be easier to do the second one. Um, but the, the like we're going to make the racing natural better and the existence of DRS are kind of working against each other, yes. especially when you have something like uh, the Red Bull where it's designed to have a highly effective DRS mm. or like the 2012 Mercedes that had quote unquote double DRS where it could stall the front and rear wing on the straight, which I mean, that's some brilliant innovation but it doesn't make the the racing better. And that that's, I guess, a core problem with F1 that you and I come back to all the time is the the development, the engineering versus the the show of, of racing. Well, and, you know, that, that's a really good point, especially since you brought up the RB19, Red Bull specifically, and a lot of talk has been made about their DRS um, advantage this year, the aerodynamic word salad of which I'm, I'm not entirely privy to, but... Um, we, we made the DRS zones shorter in a uh, in Baku, especially that one long one on the main straight, if I'm not mistaken. And the Red Bull still blew by Leclerc like he was driving one of those uh, one of those Walmart scooters. Th- that's kind of the problem, is dude. Especially right now, at this point in time in 2023, could you get rid of DRS and try to go back to? fostering these organic battles that by the way without drs a battle a pass would be set up over the course of a lap versus over the course of sector three or whatever and it's very likely that whatever car made the pass wouldn't be nine car lengths ahead at the end of the straight after making the pass so there's a there's a case to be made there but could you pull that off with today's fan base As much as I love to sit on my to sit here in my office chair and throw stones at the FIA, um, I'm I'm never throw Cheerios, Apple Jacks, th- Fruit Loops at them instead. That's more insulting. Um, I'm never jealous of their position of the choices they have to make. So I have a question for you, mm-hmm. somewhat related. Do you know where they originally got the idea for DRS? Two years ago, I could have told you. Um, once you say it, I'm going to kick myself. So the McLaren MP425, which was McLaren's 2010 Formula One car, had something called the F-duct, which was so-called because it was a little vent in the nose of the car that was right under where the letter F was in the Vodafone logo, and it was their sponsor at the time. Mm-hmm. And so what the F-duct was, was it channeled air through the cockpit of the car and when jensen button or lewis hamilton were driving down a straight they'd just move their hand off the steering wheel cover a little vent that was connected to the f duct and then that would stall the rear wing of the car so they had more straight line speed and help them overtake and i mean brilliant bit of like finding a loophole in the rules by the way uh because the driver technically not a movable aerodynamic part Mm -hmm. um so they were able to get away with that but then everyone realized hey let's just make this a part of f1 now because it helps overtaking and we're so desperate for any overtaking because this guy sebastian vettel just won the world championship and we don't want him to win three more in a row look how that turned out possibly go wrong (laughs) (laughs) um so like that's the problem 
uh, or maybe it isn't a problem because there is still that innovation with the RB19 and with the 2012 McLaren that is is based around the deployment of DRS. And maybe that's fine. But there is something the sort of like the like the dastardly scheming in terms of the design of the car for the aerodynamic trickery. I, I don't know. I, I, I like when they come I like when a team can come up with something like the double diffuser mm-hmm. or the F duct and or the when, Mercedes. Well, the pink Mercedes that that had DRS, so yeah, just the like you said, the trickery. It, it's like an like an integral part of F one, but also one of the most annoying parts when it comes to talking about the racing product. Yeah, like DRS. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Just give them push to pass. I'm not biased at all. <laughs> of course, you would say that, Alex. Of, yeah. Although, um. But, uh, the the sky booth was speculating that maybe you, you should only be allowed to have a certain number of seconds of DRS mm-hmm. to use. I don't like that. You I, know, I think it, I, it seems like I, I I suppose the I would almost call that. F1's version of treating a symptom rather than a problem. Yes. And I need to I need to be careful saying that because I haven't flushed that thought out in the seven seconds it's been in my head. But oh, I, t- I definitely I definitely know what you mean what you mean there. Yeah. And I think I agree with it. It's a tough one. It's a tough and now we're agreeing again, which is just horrible. <laughs> Nobody's ever <laughs> seen that before. There's so there's something very compelling about watching someone carve through the field after some kind of undesirable development on lap one or whatever, and then suddenly they're a second within a second of the leader. That's huge to watch. Um, it wouldn't be horrible if, for example, that person had to budget their DRS use as they drove from you know 20th at the end of lap one and put on hard tires and just tried to stretch out the race as much as they could and then they're within a second of max verstappen which isn't going to happen by the way within three laps to go would would making them budget it really be any any better than just taking it away because then you're you're just making red bull extremely powerful when they decide to be versus all the time it's not really it gives the it gives the teams a lot of control over their own handicap i suppose oh no yeah because in that situation (laughs) no because in that situation whoever it is you know let's say it's lewis hamilton because it happened a lot a few years ago closing on verstappen Hamilton has, you know, five seconds of DRS left and Max has a hundred because he's been leading from lights to flag. Hamilton gets past him. And then the next straightaway Verstappen uses all of the rest of his DRS. Because, I mean, ha- someone would run out. And and we see it happen in IndyCar. Uh, it happened yeah. to Romain Grosjean at, I believe, Barber, right? Yes. Um, That's why he lost that race. I mean, they, there are going to be compromises. Um. I think push to pass works very well with Indy, works very well for IndyCar. And I mean, frankly, we've been thinking about it for 15 minutes and we haven't come up with anything better than DRS. 
Yeah, yeah. So what what's so great about Push to Pass is that it's being used in a spec a largely spec series. Can you imagine the red the RB19 with Push to Pass versus Lewis Hamilton with Push to Pass next oh, week? The, it would be a disaster. The, it, it would. But I will say one thing. The thing uh, maybe this is a closing thought because we are almost out of time here, but is that with Push to Pass and it's the same thing with attack mode in Formula E, because it's not just how much time they're allowed to use it. It's also an IndyCar burning more fuel, and in Formula E, it's using more energy. F1 for DRS, even if they did have a like a time-limited thing, there wouldn't be that extra dynamic to deploying the strategy. It's always the right thing to do 100% of the time. Right. Exactly. And that may be the thing that is sort of now after we've had DRS for over a decade, the sort of the thing that's coming back to bite them in the butt. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the, I mean, that's a that's a really good point. That's really easy to forget in the heat of this, you know, eccentric, cutthroat, Socratic debate we're having here. It's, <laughs> um, there's plenty of times it happened to, um, I want to say Scott McLaughlin earlier this year that had plenty of push to pass, more than enough to catch whoever he was chasing. Didn't have the fuel to do it. it it's um, apples to oranges, I suppose. Uh, it also happened with uh, Grosjean at Long Beach, and I interviewed him about that. Yes, you did. And you can check that out at the Front Stretch YouTube channel, where we just yes, hit 15,000 subscribers. That is a great segue into, unfortunately, saying goodbye. Um, Alex, of course, as always, thank you for coming on the show and thank you for all that you do behind the scenes for our great, great IndyCar and Formula One content at frontstretch.com. Um, check us out on social media, Alex at Alex Ginswan, myself at Jack Swansea, and our new FrontStretch Open Wheel Twitter account at FS Open Wheel. That's letter F, letter S, Open Wheel. Um, and Alex, you got anything you'd like to say about the state of Formula One and IndyCar as we head into off weeks for both of them? Uh, I, I'm biased in both cases, so I'll, uh, I'll I'll wait until I have something more hot button to comment on next time. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to say is I'm very excited to see what we come up with to talk about next week. Oh, yes. <laughs>